0: Welcome to the Mold Matters Podcast. Whether you are looking for help recovering from mold illness or just want to learn more about creating a safe environment for your family, this podcast is the place for you.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Mold Matters Podcast. I'm here alongside Mike Adams. My name is Jeremy Evans. Hi, Jer. How are you doing today? I am great. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. Yeah. I'm I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. Glad to do another podcast. It's been a little while since you know we had our yeah. big annual convention a couple of weeks ago. Convention
0: but... went great. Yeah. 100 plus came flew in to
1: Yeah, join us. Yeah. yeah it was a good. It was exhausting, but it was
0: Absolutely exhausting. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but it but it's good to be but we haven't done one of these because of that we've been off off air for yeah. I don't know a month and a half months something. And like I that.
0: broke out with the case of shingles right That's after. Tr- <laughs> That's yeah. true. So good time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You had it the day, fun. you,
0: you got it the day after, right? Well, I, I thought I'd pulled my back loading the last truck up. Uh-huh. And I was just like, I said to my wife, I think I pulled my back. Something's not right back there. And then that next morning, about 3 AM, I woke up and I felt back there like that doesn't feel right. And sure enough, shingles. And then, and then I was trying to figure
1: out how do people get shingles? And you told me, well, everyone has it. And usually it's a really stressful event or something that yeah. manifests. And I thought, okay, that timing—that that adds up. Yeah, that makes sense. So. National <laughs> convention.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, we have a very wonderful podcast in store for you guys today. We've invited Daryl Olson, and and um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have I'm gonna turn the time over to Mike to read his bio. But we're gonna we're gonna discuss um, a few scenarios with Daryl. He's he's been in the industry for a long time, and so why don't you
0: read that real yeah, quick, Mike? Absolutely. So Daryl Olson has an engineering degree and a master's degree. He's a founder and owner of All Clean Incorporated for 31 years. That's impressive. Recently retired. He's operated businesses in carpet cleaning, air duct cleaning, and restoration. He has been involved with a company called The Flood Company and BioClean of Utah in the restoration business. He's helped thousands of customers with water damage problems and mold concerns. Um so yeah, welcome, Daryl. Welcome, Daryl. Anything else to add to that?
1: You you've been around the block. It's it's in the in the mold world, it sounds like.
2: Yes, thank you, and happy to be here today. And yeah, I attempted some other career paths and they didn't work out. And so I started off cleaning carpets and did that primarily for about eight years and then Evolved more into restoration, and then that become a much larger part of my businesses and and mostly what I was involved with, and an area that I was more challenged by and was was more enjoyable to me, mm-hmm. and a lot of interesting scenarios, well beyond carpet cleaning challenges.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I've, I've always, I've always said, and obviously from your bio, Daryl, that nobody sets out to be a mold remediator in life. Yeah. It's a little bit like going to Denny's. Nobody goes to Denny's on purpose. They end up at Denny's. (laughs) (laughs) Same with mold remediation a little bit. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I can relate to, I can relate to your path, your career path.
1: You don't choose mold. Mold chooses you. (laughs) Anyways. That's right. Sorry to cut you off, Daryl. Were you saying something else?
2: So, yeah, over 31 years or so, just from the cleaning, evolved from the cleaning side of the business and largely just relied on industry standards and guidelines and training and then just self-taught and learning from lots of experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you're, we found out you're recently retired.
0: Yes. Congratulations.
1: And... And yeah, like I said before, we're jealous of you, but, but that's, that's great. That's great to hear. So Darrow, glad to have you. We, we have guests on the show from time to time and, and we, we try to learn from, you know, we have health experts and, you know, all, all kinds of people who, who are in the industry or, or do work related to the industry. And today um, we're going to do kind of an interesting podcast where having talked to Mike here, um and and getting to know you a little bit it sounds like there's some differences in approach to mold remediation mold uh taking care of mold issues and we thought it would be interesting to compare and contrast um and so i think in comparing contrasting we can maybe all learn something and we can kind of see the nuances of the differences and maybe um shed more light on 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 mold and and how to rid it from our homes and lives in general so
0: and and let me let me just throw this in chair if you don't mind but yeah i don't i don't think anybody involved well i shouldn't say i don't think anybody but i think by and large people involved in this industry they're they're just trying to do the right thing you know they're just trying to help the customer um Mm -hmm. and so along those lines i don't i don't think people are are you know not trying to do a good job i think i think uh I think it's, that's an important aspect to understand going into this.
1: Yeah. Mold's, mold's a complicated thing. And so you, that's why you have so many branches and different, uh, you know, thought processes about it. And, 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 and the science, you know, isn't a hundred percent crystal clear on a lot of things. So I think what we'll do, we've, we've all agreed to the format. We're we've, we have two kind of water and, and mold related scenarios. And for the first one, I'm going to turn the time over to Daryl to kind of give his um, explanation of how he would approach that using his expertise and knowledge. Then I'm going to turn the time over to Mike to either expound on what he would do differently or or rebut anything or agree with anything. Then we're going to give it back to Daryl to do the same, to either agree or or rebut anything he said, and then back to Mike. Okay. And then we're going to switch. We're going to do scenario number two where Mike starts, and then Daryl, you can do a rebuttal, then back to Mike, and then back to Daryl. And then I'm going to give you both concluding statements at the very end to talk about your, your, uh, just kind of a summary of what you've, what you've, what you want to say. So let's, does that sound good, Daryl? Yeah, sounds good. And Mike? Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm in. Scenario one, Daryl, I'll turn over to you uh, as much time as you want, really, but, you know, take a handful of minutes. A home has a flood in the basement. Um, the carpet has been wet for days. Um, there is some, some mold growth on the walls and you show up um again we left it quite open-ended not not a ton of detail and i know you're going to need to gather more detail but with that limited information you show up ready to do a remediation project on that from your um expertise what what would you do and as soon as you're done i'll turn it over to mike
0: okay
2: okay um, do we know what the source of the water was?
1: Let's say it was, uh, uh, some flooding that came in through a window well that filled up.
2: Okay. And a rainstorm. From a rainstorm. Yeah. Okay.
1: Is that pretty common in Utah?
2: It's common. Okay. Yeah. Uh, large rain events can, and surface water. That's a common scenario and event.
1: Okay. I've seen that a bunch myself.
2: Okay. Well, that's important and significant because uh, rainwater through a window well is not going to be an insurance-covered event for insurance purposes. Uh, If it had been from a plumbing source inside the home or something like that, then it would more likely be an insurance-covered event. Uh, once it's an insurance covered event, then we have more leeway and latitude on what we can uh prescribe to do, and it's easier to get the homeowners' buy in on, on allowing us to do that. Uh, Short of having insurance coverage, the homeowner would be involved in, in all decisions and allowing them to choose and, and say yes to, to what our recommendation would be. Um, visible mold on the wall suggests that it's been wet quite a while or the visible mold may be related to prior events if the mold on the walls were have to investigate where it is and and if it's only localized and if it makes sense that that it may have grown from prior water damage events then then that could make a big difference if it was prior mold assuming that it's mold from this event Um, it takes quite a while for visible mold to grow. Um, Sometimes I've been surprised that there was visible mold as quick as it grew and oftentimes surprised that there wasn't more visible mold knowing how long uh, a basement had been wet. A visible mold on a wall, if it's from this event, suggests that it's been wet quite a while. And uh, following, you know, the the practices that we're accustomed to and are common in the industry, uh, we would recommend that carpet and padding be removed, and that. Uh, absorbent finish materials that are visually colonized with mold also be cut out and removed so that for instance, baseboards and drywall uh, portions that were visibly colonized with mold cut them and remove them. Uh, When we get down to the framing, uh, mold can be can be removed off those structural materials. They're, they're not easy to remove and they're, they're dense and, and uh, uh, use after everything's dry. So cut out those materials if the homeowner's on board with that. Set up drying equipment. Uh, more dehumidification and less on the airflow if there's been visible mold. Once uh, the savable materials have been dried, then clean up the mold that's on any of the framing with vacuuming, sanding, and then another round of vacuuming and cleaning.
1: All right, is that, uh, so that's, that's kind of, I was just going to do a clarifying question on that. So the, when you were, you're going to pull out the carpet pad, um, any, uh, any drywall that had mold on it as well, as well as baseboards and then dehumidification and fans. So you, you wouldn't necessarily cut out all the wet areas. So the dehumidification and fans would be Drying any remaining wet areas is that correct?
2: That's correct. If okay. drywall and and other materials, um, well, might remove baseboards to help walls that were going to be dried out and saved. Might detach baseboards to help them be able to to breathe and and dry better and more quickly. But if they weren't visibly colonized or affected with mold, then it, and it was a clean water event then probably savable and try to dry dry those materials out
1: okay and then just to close the loop once you've done the, the the cleaning um the the vacuuming and the cleaning of the studs and things like that is it a matter of just buttoning back up at that point
2: yeah just it it Rebuild. should be ready for restoration at that point
1: okay and this is all then- done with in containment or
2: or, um, yeah, band? if there was visible mold, you want to take that in consideration. And so, there's probably going to be one furnace in the house, so you're probably going to want people to, to not be occupying upstairs. Uh, the you don't want the air handler working until you've got the basement reasonably clean again okay and if there's one air handler so it's not easy to to keep upstairs adequately clean and safe uh with what you described going on downstairs
0: so just just out of curiosity and i truly don't know the answer to this would uh-huh if, if the occupants needed to leave for, say, a week while you completed your your uh, work down there, would yeah. insurance cover hotel stay for the occupants?
2: If it's an insurance covered event, uh, it probably would. There okay. is coverage for that on most policies.
0: Okay. That's good
1: to know. That is good to know. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh, thank you, Daryl. I'm going to turn over. You can take several minutes, Mike, if you want to share your approach, and if you wanna uh, add anything or or give any rebuttals, go for it yeah I
0: don't have it I don't have too many rebuttals other than um obviously we have a completely different mindset on on mold and let me let me explain that a little bit um, when a customer calls us and there's significant water damage, first of all, at least for our location here in Utah, we would probably say call somebody like Daryl or, you know, another Paul Davis or somebody like that, have them get it dried out for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's from that point on is where we differ dramatically. And, and it's because of a couple of issues. One is when a traditional remediator contains an area and I spent oh just so, you know, I spent a week in Texas getting the Texas mold contractor certification. It was a I tell people I spend a month in Texas one week, but it was a long, boring class. And I, I learned more about duct tape and plastic than I ever want to learn. But we uh they taught us how to contain everything. My biggest issue with that entire week was we we did a mock disaster. You know, we did the whole containment. Let's put in some um uh, dehumidifiers, and then put in some HEPA scrubbers. Anyway, we got everything done within the containment, and then the instructor said, okay, let's test. And I said, well, aren't we going to take the plastic down to t- test? And almost in unison, all the people in the class, which was guys from Serpro and, you know, Belfour or whatever, they all said, no, Mike, you can't. And, and I knew what they were going to say, but my point has always been, if you take that test, after you ran air scrubbers, within that plastic bubble, what you're really testing is how well the air scrubbers are working versus how much mold is in that home. And it, and it has always bugged me that the customer is going to think that, no, I, I don't have any mold in my home because we had this flood and they came in and fixed it. And then down the road, sometime, if somebody in the home starts getting sick, and I've seen this over and over and over again, and a doctor, if it's a pretty sharp doctor, may say, do you think you have mold in your home? Because I'm picking up, you know, mold toxins in your urine or whatever. More times than not, that customer says no, because I have this piece of paper that they ran a test and I don't have mold in my home. Well, the homeowner doesn't understand that that was tested within the bubble of the plastic. And the doctor sure as heck doesn't understand it, so what happens is they end up going down a completely different path, trying to figure out what's wrong with this patient, and and I think it it does a lot of harm. So, our approach from from almost day one when we dry fog a, a home has been it's got to be the whole home. We have to treat the entire thing, and we need to test the home after we're done, not just the spot where there was where there was you know, microbial contamination. You'd mentioned where, you know, sometimes there's mold there when it's wet and sometimes it's not. You can't always, you know, count on it growing in 24 to 48 hours. Well, that's in my opinion, simply because every home has a different, what I call mold load. Um, as homes age and as homes go through different experiences relative to floods or leaks, you're gonna have more or less mold And usually, it's going to keep increasing day after day, month after month, your mold load. Because remember, mold doesn't die like bacteria. I'm just talking to the audience here right now. But somebody walks in your house and sneezes, that bacteria is going to die in a few days. You start to grow mold in the home somewhere, and those spores start to dance around looking for moisture. And then they colonize, and then they... Anyway, bottom line is your home gets worse and worse and worse as time goes by. And so that's, in my opinion, why... Uh, Darnell, that you feel like sometimes it's going to grow mold and sometimes it doesn't. Well, it's all to do with the mold load when the when the event happened. And if you go into a house that already had a extremely high mold load, it's going to grow mold in that wet spot. And if you go ahead, and I understand that's your scope of work within the plastic, but but if it grew mold and it's visible, that to me tells me that house probably has an elevated mold load and the mold is everywhere in the house already. So our approach is a full house fogging treatment of a a very dry oxidizing solution. And then we apply a protectant that makes it so that when mold does come in the home again, as soon as it hits a surface, that protectant will denature or lice the outer membrane of that cell or that spore when it comes in so you don't fall back into that what i call mold load cycle so that's our approach
1: okay so just to clarify um sounds like the beginning in this scenario where there was water intrusion through the the window well so as far as the the the, you know the dry out you know pull out some of the really damaged wet materials um, cutting out some of the, the sheetrock or whatever, the pad and all that stuff. Up to that point, you're pretty much, you're on board with that. Oh, absolutely. And then it's yeah. it's when, at, at the point when it's, you start.
0: Yeah. The point where we differ is once everything's dry.
1: Once everything's dry yeah. and, and making sure the mold
0: is gone from the, the space. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: All right. Daryl, I'm going to turn um, a few minutes back over to you and I'd like you to to address anything Mike said and, and rebut it if you'd yeah, like. I mean, but, but. The rebut but. Rebut yeah. <laughs> but. <laughs> and then I'll do the same thing and give it back to Mike and then we'll conclude this question. Okay.
2: So, uh, one, when it comes to post-sample testing, uh, when mold removal has been done in order to go in and test to see if it was successful or not, uh there are some different techniques that can be used with regards to that. I understand that the almost unanimously uh remediators that are using containment to isolate a mold-affected area as they do mold removal and cleanup want the containments to stay up until they have good testing results. But one way to counter whether it's uh, and yes, if the air scrubbers stay running continuously up until and while you do a test, then they're helping to to mechanically filter the air, and so that could help the spore count levels in the air be lower. Uh, one way to To counter that, if you want to to know that you're getting a more normalized reading, would be to turn the air scrubbers off a day or two earlier, so that they haven't been running for a day or two before you go in and test. And then, uh, but... Uh, Remediators are looking for documentation to give closure for what they were there to do and what they were hired to do. And uh, uh, they're very well, you've identified mold or mold affected materials in this part of the house. You may have done pre air sample testing. Well, there may be mold on the other end of the basement that is behind painted surfaces and inside walls and wasn't apparent and and wasn't discovered and wasn't included as part of the scope of this work. And so so there there will be spores getting airborne from that and that's not part of the scope of what you're there hired to do So if you took the containment down and just tested the basement, you lose your accountability as to whether you were successful in cleaning up and accomplishing what you were hired to do.
1: Um, Maybe I'll follow up. And that does make sense. Do do you typically do anything to address outside of the containment that you've put up? Or do you just kind of see your scope of work as this is my scope and I do it and I do it well and, and that's it, or?
2: uh Yes, we do. So it depends on how, how isolated and, and localized the mold is and, and the scope of what you're there to do. But if there's reason to believe from just observation or from air sample testing that that there's already elevated spore counts outside the containment, then uh, yes, cleaning, uh, steps for cleaning as well as running out air scrubbers outside the containment on that level and on other levels of the home is appropriate if there's if there's already elevated spore counts okay and one thing that i was just going to mention you know mike said he was on board in this scenario with what i described as far as removing carpet padding and cutting and removing areas of drywall with visible mold um with that we are really (laughs) in alignment because uh as far as the the steps for getting things clean after that there's not too much difference between us if if in this scenario mike thought that was
0: appropriate yeah okay. I, I think one of the yeah one of the biggest disservices our company did probably is is create the tagline demolition free mold remediation um we we have never taught that there is no need for demolition that of course there's need for demolition in in certain circumstances um and so that's why i said yeah we're we're on board with that if you want to tear the carpet out great if you want to pull it back and tear just the pad out or whatever great um if you want to do a flood cut we're good with that i mean um so like i say i think we did we may have done ourselves a, a little bit of a disservice when we say demolition free I will say this, and I think, I know the guys at Normie agree with this, 90% of jobs are disinfection as opposed to remediation. In other words, 90% of the jobs can be accomplished without any tear out. And, and that's, that comes from the Normie guys directly. And, uh, so I, yeah, I think we're, I think we're close, Daryl, um, or Dardell, I'm sorry. And so anyway, on the, uh, one thing I would did want to say is I completely understand the fact that the um that's your scope of work um here at pure maintenance um we're a little bit different because we we kind of feel like we're trying to, trying to change the world and it hasn't been easy for us, but we look at it as you know if a customer calls us about a mold concern and that's probably is the biggest difference too is. We don't get called if somebody has a, a flood. We get called if somebody is sick, um, typically. And so that's that's a huge difference. Um, and so anyway, yeah, I don't think we're too far off from each other.
1: Okay. Well, let's uh let's go to the next question and and then we'll reverse the order. So Mike, I'll give you a chance okay. to talk about how you would handle okay. that scenario and then and then Daryl, then Mike, then Daryl, and see if there's anything to be learned there. Okay. Um, so in the, this scenario, this is more aligned in line with what with, with what you were just saying, Mike, where you see customers that are sick. yeah, uh, you know, frequently. So a customer calls, says their doctor says I have mold in my body, and that the doctor wants uh, them to have someone come and check out their house for mold. There's no visible mold in the house. Um, what do you do from the, I guess inspection standpoint? Mm-hmm. and then how would you if you determine there is mold, how do
0: you address that? Okay. Um, I travel all over the country training new licensees to to use our, our equipment and our technology. And I try to train them that if you go to a customer or a client's home, if you can see mold, they've got mold. If you can smell mold, they've got mold. If their doctor feels like they may have mold, almost assuredly they have mold. The reason I teach them that, as opposed to do an air quality test, is I think air quality tests are just horrendous. Um, You cannot count on an air quality test to give you, we get a lot of false negatives. In other words, Um, mold is either sporing, growing, or dormant. And unless you can catch that mold while it's sporing, it's going to be very, very difficult to get a decent test and, and tell the customer what's going on in their home. Um once we have talked to the customer and we'll we'll inspect the home, make sure there are no telltale signs of water moisture, leaking types of problems. We'll use um, moisture indicators to to make sure we're we're on the right track. We want to make sure the house is completely dry. Um, we'll discuss with the customer the history of the home. typically, the customer says, no, we've never had any issues. And then you start walking through the house with him and they're like, well, actually, we did have a flood here 10 years ago, or we did have a flood over here or, or a leak or whatever. So we get a history of the home and that helps us to kind of walk the customer through what may be ho- happening to their home. And then I try to go out of my way to explain to the customer what happens with homes and the whole, uh, you know, I kind of coined this term years ago, but mold, load, cycle. In other words, when mold comes into a home, it'll find little pockets of moisture and food where it just wants to grow and colonize and grow and colonize, right? We all know this as the, the window sills, especially on the windows that have the left to right track, um, mold grows in those, especially on the north side of the building or the north side of the house. It's also in the bathrooms you're going to grow mold. It's in the first few inches of every drain in the home before you hit the water level of the P-trap, you're gonna have mold. It's in your air conditioning coils, you're gonna have mold. Anyway, because as I mentioned earlier, mold doesn't die. It's gonna stay viable. You end up with your mold load just continually climbing on you. And oftentimes it's the cumulative effect of all of these different places in the house that are really the, the big problem as far as the health of the customer. Um, And then, of course, we'll look for any kind of, of, you know, visible mold in the home and explain to them. I've had people call me and say, you got to come look at my bathroom. This is driving me nuts. Something is wrong with my bathroom. I keep cleaning up the mold on the ceiling and it keeps coming back. And when I get there, it's usually pretty obvious that they have an elevated mold load in the home. And I explain to them, there's nothing wrong with your bathroom. There's something wrong with your house your house has elevated mold in the home. And once we kind of explain that to the customer and they, they, it starts to resonate with them fairly well, um, then we just explain what our process is. And, and we covered this earlier, but we're going to fill the envelope of the home up with a dry fog using an oxidizing uh, sterilant. And then we're gonna protect the home, protect all the surfaces by placing nitrogen molecules and carbon spikes on every surface. And so that's gonna make the home very inhospitable to mold in the future. And uh, we always walk away after treatment with a full one-year guarantee. We'll come back any and test. And usually we create a pretty happy customer. So you, you
1: in, in your process, you're, you're addressing the those little pockets you talked
0: about? Correct, yeah, we'll actually manually clean all of those, as well as the fog treatment itself, okay, uh, what we use is a, is very, very effective in what they call soil load, like fighting through the soil to get to the microbe, but it's I tell people it's it's amazing, but it's not magic. You got to put some work into it too, and so we'll address all of those pockets the the tough one is the air conditioning coil, but uh we have a few little tricks that we use to to make sure we can. And get that completely disinfected as well.
1: Okay. All right. Thanks, Mike. Okay, Daryl. I'm going to turn over um, some time to you, and and you can either uh, uh, describe how you would you would approach that scenario and comment on anything Mike said. And let's see let's see what we learn.
2: Uh, yeah, that. Scenario is one that that I and we've been presented with many, many times. There's uh, two or three doctors that are in the uh, business. Part of their practice is treating, helping to treat patients with mold concerns and problems. And those doctors have uh, referred patients to us. Uh, Over the years, Um, we would want to go in and and uh, try to determine if they have a mold problem in their homes. Um, You know, all the indications may point to they have mold related symptoms or illness. Um, and the assumption would be that the mold exposure is in their home. That's where they're probably spending the majority of their time. And so we wanna go in and try to find and or verify that. So uh, a customer like that, we are going to, and and I agree with Mike, uh, air quality testing is, it's not as exacting as we would like it to be, uh, especially with spores as small as Aspergillus penicillium. You can get spikes uh, that are almost unexplainable at times, um, but but it is a it is a tool that we use, and as long as you're careful to not weigh those results too heavily and or rely on, make sure you rely on enough samples or additional rounds of testing. It's a tool that can be helpful. This type of customer and patient is is struggling and wants help and wants relief and wants results and they're already spending a lot of money on medical stuff. So we, we recommend doing a fair amount of air quality tests uh, to help us identify what the varieties are that are circulating in the home and what the levels are in different areas of the home. Uh, knowing what, the levels are in different areas of the home can help us to find and and zero in on where the source of the mold is, where the colonized materials are. Other than that, we do, well, in addition to that, um, we do a mold inspection, which is um, something that not very many people are really good at. We're looking everywhere throughout the home, looking for mold, of course. Mold is probably more likely to be on surfaces that are not accessible than surfaces that are accessible. If, they were, if it was on surfaces that are exposed and accessible, somebody would already know about it because it's visible to them. So we're looking for uh, staining, swelling, bubbling of all sorts and all varieties on all kinds of materials. For instance, a furniture stain or a rust stain on a carpet, anywhere in the home. When we observe that, we're going to start asking questions and try to answer questions for ourselves and or see what the homeowner can share with us. But quite oftentimes, they've told us, no, we haven't had any water damage events in the home. And then after we do our inspection, we remind them, well, other than the water heater, when you had that problem in the basement, and then um, the window well that came in through the wall and the window well filled up on the West bedroom. um, And they say, oh yeah, you're right, that happened and that happened. (laughs) Um but we need to find it. So we're looking for those clues and they may be minute clues I um, refer to it as playing Sherlock Holmes and then when we see those clues try to dig into them and make sense of them. What was the event that happened? Where did the water come from? And then when we can understand that, then we try to make sense of, Was it a one-time event or something that happened repeatedly? And how long did the materials stay wet? Because even though we can't, until we start getting invasive to take off baseboards or look behind baseboards or do some cutting to access other surfaces, if we can reasonably make sense of the, the event or the history of the events, if materials were wet for weeks, there's a very, very high probability of of mold being there. So one of the things that we do during that is on a basement level, typically we'll lift the edge of the carpet and observe the color of the tack strip. Tack strip is light and bright when it's installed. And it gets progressively darker with a history of, of, be, of dampness or being exposed to moisture. If it's just a few shades of gray, it's had a little bit of dampness, a little bit of history. If it's dark andor crumbling and falling apart, then part of that rotting process is mold that's consuming the soft wood itself but that's a long history of being damp. And the wall right next to it has probably also had the same history of being damp. So those are techniques that we use to find the mold as well as lots of air sample tests. And then we tell them, you know, you have mold in this air, in these walls, in the basement around where the laundry room is, You have mold in this area around the shower that's been leaking. You have mold over here by the utility room. You have mold in the kitchen where you've had a slow leak over the years under the sink. You've, and tell them where the events were, where the mold is, and then tell them what we would recommend for for being able to get at the surfaces and materials that are affected with the mold to remove it and clean it up.
1: All right, thanks, Daryl. Mike, we'll turn some time over to you and then back to Daryl.
0: Yeah, I think maybe this might get into the nuts and bolts of where we might have a disagreement. Um, A couple of things on testing, one is I distrust testing so much that I don't even think you can quantify where the mold is based on testing. In other words, a home has different air currents running through it at all times. Well, not even at all times. Sometimes the HVAC is on, sometimes it's off. Sometimes windows are open, sometimes they're not. Sometimes windows, you know, were open before we got there. It's very, very difficult to, in my mind, impossible to quantify where the mold is based on an air quality test. Very, very difficult. Um, and then, it, you know, you mentioned we'll take a number of tests and find out what kind of mold it is. From our our standpoint, could not care less what kind of mold it is. Um, n- no mold is great. Um, I've talked to literally hundreds of doctors over the years. Um, different people respond to different types of mold differently. Um It's just that's something that it's that's useless information, in my opinion. What we're trying to do is get the home healthy for the for the customer. And so what it requires is a whole home treatment. That's and you mentioned how expensive these customers um, or how much these customers are paying for their health care in the first place. So what we believe needs to happen is you need to have a whole home process in which you can oxidize every microorganism in that home. And when I say in the home, I'm also including every possible little nook or cranny that mold could possibly travel because our particle size is going to be smaller than the mold and it's going to come in with vapor pressure behind it. And um, so we believe it's got to be a whole home treatment and then we believe you need a whole home protectant to keep from falling back into the mold, mold space. Um, I know Daryl, you mentioned that you have two or three doctors. Um, we have hundreds of doctors, actually worldwide, recommending our service. And uh, and I think those doctors understand that spot treating for mold is is just not going to be effective. That house is full of mold. It has to have a whole home treatment or those customers will never get well. We have a doctor on our staff, Dr. Um, Jeff Wright, and he said, look, I can get it out of their systems, but you got to get it out of their house first. You got to call pure maintenance. So we believe this has to be a whole home treatment or you're absolutely just running up the bill and you're going to still come back with, with mold somewhere in the home. Okay, Daryl, we'll turn you some time over
1: for the last word on this topic. and then, Rebut, but, but. Yeah, but. yeah, the triple rebut, and then we'll give you
2: some concluding thoughts. Daryl. Okay. Um, I agree in that you have to be careful in putting too much weight on air sample test results because they are not as exacting as we'd like them to be. But we learn a great deal from air sample test results. For instance, uh, it's extremely valuable to know whether there's stachybotrys or chitomium in the samples as opposed to just aspergillus, penicillium, because that tells us that we're looking for an entirely different type of of water damage event, because those materials were wet much, much longer if there's chitomium and stachybotrys present, as an example of types of things that you can learn from air sample testing, besides just the levels. Um, the, uh, let me comment on the bathroom scenario. A bathroom scenario, when you have visible mold growing on the ceiling or tops of the walls, that's not a a mold load problem in the home. That's a humidity management problem. There's always gonna be, when you have surfaces that are damp and stay damp, then mold will grow. That's what allows mold to grow is dampness and time. So just because there's supposedly a mold load that's elevated in the home, that's not gonna manifest itself in the bathroom unless you have damp conditions. So uh, for instance, what allows mold to grow on the ceiling or tops of the walls are humidity that condenses on those surfaces repeatedly enough that they stay damp aggregately long enough to allow the mold to grow. Bathrooms are gonna have humidity events. Obviously people are bathing, people are showering and uh, some bathrooms don't even have a fan. The fan isn't just for odors, the fan is to help to control the humidity. And there's code reasons why those fans need to be vented to the exterior and not just up into the attic. And that's because the purpose of the fan is to handle humidity, not odors. If you're pumping a lot of humidity up into the attic, then you can create moisture problems and condensation in the attic. So if you don't have enough, um, comes down to the amount of humidity in, in the uh, in this space, in the bathroom in this case, versus the uh, temperature of the surfaces any surfaces that are below the dew point temperature, you're gonna get condensation. So if you don't have enough insulation in the attic area over that bathroom, then that ceiling is gonna be cooler than other surfaces, interior walls. If the exterior wall doesn't have enough insulation, or even if it does have some insulation, it very likely is gonna be cooler than the interior walls. Hence, they're gonna be below the dew point temperature and have more condensation than the other surfaces. And that's how and why and where the mold will grow. Fortunately, in our climate, we're dry enough that there's not a lot of mold scenarios that are as a result of humidity. Bathrooms and attics and some crawl spaces are are examples of when you can get mold related to humidity. But more, the largest majority of the time, it's going to be water intrusion from some sort of a leak, either plumbing, groundwater, uh, roof leak, something like that. Um, one thing, so, I like Mike's description of finding all the mold that you can in the window seals and and in the tracks of the windows and the AC coils and like that and cleaning those areas. But if you haven't found the mold that's under and behind the dishwasher and inside the walls around the shower, And you still do a whole home fog. Where. uh, um, How are you able to address those areas and won't there still be mold that manifests itself and finds its way airborne from those unaddressed mold areas? My experience over the years has been after I've after we've been asked to go in and inspect and test after fogging events, um, there was still mold. Uh, sounds like some of those some of those times there was visible mold on surfaces that hadn't been cleaned up and removed you know, lifting a tape sample off those surfaces, the lab confirmed, or in their opinion, it was mold, but also air sample tests. Uh, when we've been invited to to do inspections after fogging events, uh, air samples were still elevated also.
1: All right. Well, there's no more rebuttals left, Mike.
0: No rebuts to that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I got some, but we, that's, we have. All tripl- right, we do triple rebuttals. We don't do quadruple
0: though. Yeah. Mm. I'll, I'll play by the rules. All right.
1: Well, All we'll, right. we'll 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 chat again. I, I I do want to give both you guys just one minute to to do any concluding statements you have, and then uh, I want to have Daryl tell about his company a little more. Why don't we okay.
0: uh, go with Daryl first?
1: Daryl, why don't you say any any concluding kind of just a summary of your thoughts and. And, uh, and then we'll give time to Mike.
2: Well, uh, again, I am retired. <laughs> so I'm not, <laughs> in the, I'm not in the thick of it any longer, other than just as a consultant. And I do field questions once in a while. Um, one just the other day, they shared with me uh, the, the struggles of trying to find mold. And uh And I told them largely what I just, you know, you're weighing the, you're putting you and the real estate agent and the prospective buyers are putting too much weight on those air sample test results. Um, You need another round of tests to see if they in any way agree with, with the ones that you're trying to make sense of. And then I pointed them to one area. Uh, in that case, it was a dishwasher that they needed to detach and look behind. Uh, the clues were small, but but they were there. And it's worth looking there to, to try to make sense of it, I think. But again, I'm, I'm retired, but uh, it's something I did for a really long time and uh, have a... Passion for and a lot of experience with. So, thanks for having me on. If somebody has need of a restoration service in northern Utah, I uh, the the new owner and people that took over from me with the flood company or BioClean of Utah would do a good job for you. I think. Awesome.
1: Uh, what northern Utah? What is the coverage area? Um. What does that include?
2: Well, probably probably uh down to uh down to Nephi and up to Park City, Heber, okay. and Colville, and then all the way all the way north to okay. Idaho.
1: Okay. Awesome. Mike, give you any concluding thoughts and then we'll we'll wrap up.
0: Yeah, just um I don't want to cheat, so I don't want to reap up, but 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 um just the concluding Just thoughts. one last thought on the mode load. I I want to give this example. I had a guy call me once. He says, Mike, I don't buy this mode load stuff. He said, I'm a contractor. And he said, I I soak sheetrock when I'm building a new home. I soak it with water to bend the sheetrock around corners. And he says, it doesn't grow. Mold. Actually, he said, I don't buy mold. I don't buy this. I don't, I don't believe in mold in homes. And anyway, he said, I, I soak sheetrock in water to bend it around corners and it doesn't grow mold. And I said, that is a perfect explanation of mold load. Mold, you don't have a mold load when a home is brand new or very t- unusual to have a mold load, an elevated mold load. The mold load keeps increasing day after day, year after year as the home ages. And that's what explains when people say, man, that smells like a grandma and grandpa house. That's mold load in a home. And so when you say it's not a mold load problem in the bathroom, it's a humidity problem. Well, it's not the humidity that's, make, that's making them sick. It's the mold that's making them sick. And what you need to do is reduce the mold load in the home and get it back down to, okay, We're we're back to when this house was built. We're in pretty good shape. Um, you mentioned you'd gone back in um, and found mold after fogging. A Couple of things: there's been some really bad fogging companies out there, horrendous. Um, but they don't know what they're doing. They're using subpar uh, product and subpar equipment. And there is an art and a science to what we do. We have been vetted by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Um, We actually did some testing at a a fairly um, respected lab up in in Minnesota area. And we're coming away with those tests on porous, non-porous surfaces and aerial surfaces right around a four, five, six log kill in just eight and a half minutes of fogging. So it works. It's going to push into every crack and crevice. Um, We guarantee everything, which I don't. There's not another company that I know of in Utah that guarantees their work after the day they walk out. We warranty our work for a full year. We'll come back and retest anytime you want. We'll refog if you have an issue. Um, So anyway, it's a good, it's a good, we think it's a good process. Um, I think our growth going from one single location 15 years ago to now 170 locations worldwide, we're in four countries now. I think that speaks for itself. And uh, yeah, I, Great conversation, though. Enjoyed it. All right. I did kind of cheat. That was a little bit of a rebut, but, but, but. So it I apologize. It wasn't a
1: quite a concluding oh. statement. But, <laughs> but I want to thank Mike. I want to thank Daryl. I think there was, I think was some good discussion there. Yeah. Um I think so. I think there's plenty of areas we could have fleshed out some more. It sounds like a uh, little bit of differences. You know, as I talked to... Uh, I mean, honestly, there's no mold remediator that doesn't have something that they view differently than, than I do. I mean, everyone has a little, uh, you get, you get into the nitty gritties. Everyone has a little bit, you know, based on their experience, you know, I, I I view it this way or that way. And I think it's healthy, you know, we can, we can talk those differences. So I think this was good. I think this is fun. Daryl, thanks for participating in a kind of a, a proctored, uh, I guess, Friendly, coordinated debate of sorts, and and maybe we can do another one. Or yeah, let's um, do it again. Yeah. I, I found out from Daryl that he's he's got a lot of experience with insurance and and working with adjusters, and that is a very nuanced uh, part of the mold and water damage industry. And... You say
0: nuanced or nonsensed? <laughs> <laughs> nuanced, yeah.
2: yeah. All of the above.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that's 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 an idea we have for maybe a future uh discussion with learning from Daryl's experience there. So Daryl, thank you for coming. And um, um BioClean of Utah and Flood Flood Co. are still still going even though you're not part of them, right? So just Yeah, find operationally
2: online. they're the same company. They do business under two names just for marketing purposes.
1: Okay. Okay. All right. Right. Well, thank you, Daryl. Yeah, Thanks, thank Mike. You. And until, uh, until the next episode. Thank you, Nez. Thank you, Nez, the producer. producer. And we'll talk to you guys later. Okay. Until next time. Thanks, Daryl. Okay.
0: Thanks for listening to the Mold Matters podcast. Be sure to subscribe for more in-depth information on mold illness and recovery.